Hi, everybody. I'm Carrie Dahl, and I gave this a lot of thought. So much thought that I had to write it down because it kept me awake last night as I thought about what does the word relentless mean because it's been a guiding word in my life. Being relentless is all about courage. Courage to face a very challenging journey. Courage to face the fears that come with that journey. Courage to listen to your intuition and courage to be unapologetic in your journey to reach your goal. That is being relentless. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Relentless Podcast. I am Kyle Dubay. It is very exciting to be here with a very, very special guest, a very good friend of mine, and I want to do this massive, huge, unbelievable entrance, (laughs) not entrance, intro, (laughs) intro. Uh, I'm so nervous. Can you tell? And I want to give this unbelievable introduction because this beautiful human being inside and out has given me some of the greatest introductions of my life. But I I am, I I don't know, I'm just not a good introducer. So this is what I'm going to say. I am very excited to have a a good friend, uh, a well-known Edmonton community person, celebrity, if you will, onto the podcast, um, a broadcaster for many years, uh, and now a, a podcaster now, big time podcaster thanks to people like you carrie doll is joining the relentless podcast. oh boy what a gift to be sitting across from you and to have you asking the questions i was gonna say how does it feel Very to go different. from the interviewer to mm-hmm. the interviewee yeah it's a completely different dynamic do you do other podcasts yeah i have yeah, yeah. quite a few i have another one coming up next week okay and- i thought i was special but you are special. I'll give you a hot tip about doing an introduction since you asked. Okay. What the best way to do an introduction? Yeah, like actually do like study the person and have notes. No, no. <laughs> just tell a story. Tell, tell a the story. most blockbuster story you have about that person. That's how you introduce them. Because uh, then can't you get tell people story, connecting. I can't tell that story. <laughs> You're so full of it. I can't tell oh the story my because God. I, okay, I'll tell the story. It was in when did we meet? 97, 98? When, I don't when did you work for CFRN? Oh when did you start? Oh my god. For the first time? Yeah. Yeah, it was probably 97. Okay, so 97. Mm-hmm. My wife had just started as well, yes. Jeanette. Uh, the beautiful Jeanette. Yes. And it, the blockbuster story is we met probably at a Christmas party, and I could I could see it and just feel it in your body language. You were crushed when you found out I was married. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't want to bring that up in the introduction. Oh, right. 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 You remember? Yes. I, it's and then funny many how times I don't remember after, that. Many times after yes. where you were always like, damn it, he's still with Jeanette. Yes. Yes. It's, it's weird. I don't remember that part of that no? story. But I, well, I anyway. I, this is what I told all my friends. Um, <laughs> we have known each other a long time. Yeah, it has been a long time. And what's interesting uh, about that, if if I may, is I was so close to your wife, to mm-hmm. uh, Jazzy. That's mm-hmm. how I for years Call and years her and years. And it's not because she has a huge mouth. It's just that's Jazzy. her nickname because it's J O Satchuk. So you put it to Jaws. J O S. No, no, always Jazzy. No, Jazzy. Jazzy. She's always my Jazzy. And I was like, because she was the most brilliant producer I've ever worked for, and we mm. were close for many years. Um, until I left CTV. But then you and I started to develop a very strong friendship yes. when I started emceeing your You Can Comedy Night. Yes. And that was like, how many years? 13 years ago. Yeah. So I was, I think I was 20. I was 20. <laughs> <And> you- <laughs> oh, you're, you're a dreamer, man. <laughs> 
Uh, no, and we've known each other a little bit before that, just because of the different CFRN, CTV, yeah. Christmas have- parties here and there. You know, it's hilarious. What? I have notes that I write I, for I all the guests. I noticed that, yeah. These aren't even yours. <laughs> oh, you're well prepared <laughs> you're, for this yeah, one. Yeah, I'm so prepared. They're over there because <laughs> yeah. uh, I didn't grab them. So these are just somebody else's. <laughs> and so that's how that's uh, how this podcast is okay. going to go. Um, we did a pod. We did your. So let's talk about. We'll talk about your career in a bit. But we, you have a podcast called The Inner Circle, mm-hmm. an amazing podcast Thank that you. you've got over 200 episodes yes. recorded. Um, and you were kind enough. Oh, thank you, Nigel. Oh, uh, to to give man. me the notes that I'm not going to look at. Um, <laughs> you were kind enough to have me on there. It was a very intense conversation mm-hmm. about uh, the loss of my son, Luke, to yeah. suicide. And it was uh, very emotional. Yeah. It was hard. We had a, you know, you and I, uh, you know that I believe in laughter. So yes. there's a couple little chuckles here there and were. there. But for the most part, it was it was a very heavy, heavy mm-hmm podcast um this today we talked before we were recording we're not going to do that today we're going to have some fun we're going to talk about you we're going to talk about your career and i'd like to talk about podcasting because i think it's an interesting thing Mm -hmm. but let's let's get into this with you you um are a northern alberta girl Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i've done my research i already knew this though you come from a is it a family of 10 it's kids 10 i'm the youngest wow. of 10 children all from wow. the same mom and dad yeah and we were a catholic farming family and i now understand and accept good catholic uh, obviously yes 10 kids. yes yeah. yes we, we were we were in church every sunday and beyond yeah. i did get left to church a lot <laughs> I no did. room in the van no it's because i talked too much after church and i'd be talking with my friends out on the church because like geez you finally got to see people i mean it was only a town of three thousand. i lived yeah. out on a farm you know the town kids would stay in town and then i'm out on the farm all weekend and then on sunday you got to see your friends so i'd be talking up a storm and all of a sudden i'd see my mom and dad's cars just, just pull away, away and drive away and they sometimes it'd take them an hour to notice that i wasn't wow. at home with them wow so i would sit on the church steps and just wait and just wait and sooner or later, they come. Just cute little Carrie doll. <laughs> I was all little, by myself. Just in your little church dress. <laughs> no, I didn't just wear it. I wasn't really a dress girl. No. I was always a jeans and You're t-shirt. To jeans. this day, I still yeah. am. Yeah. That is actually yeah. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, big family. Huge family. You're the youngest. Um, like, what were meals like? Like, were you just fighting people for the last piece of bread <laughs> well everything was homemade and mm. i mean the only thing that mom ever bought in town was flour sugar yeast wow. everything else she she made we had first of all a massive garden i think at last count there was 14 rows of potatoes wow. just potatoes we grew everything we had the potato cellar she canned everything under the sun we picked everything dad um we had would um had beef on the farm so we'd slaughter our own beef yeah. make our own sausage had a uh, smokehouse we did it all literally living off the fat of the land that's what literally. that's what the dolls were yeah, doing that's what we did wow. and um we wanted for nothing we mm. really didn't like we didn't we it was a pretty simple life um worked hard yeah i was gonna say there yeah. must have been a lot of hard work there was right with there the garden that big yeah everybody was mm-hmm. out there everybody's working my brothers you know helped dad with the farm and we helped mom with the, and so she baked everything and yeah. some of those blessings were passed on to me in certain ways when i was little that this is the hard part i always got shooed out of the kitchen because i was always in the way yeah 
So when I left home, I was a horrible cook, like horrible to the point, like my mom made the most brilliant dill pickles. Oh, oh I think about them now. My mouth waters. I love dill pickles. And, um, but here's the thing. I never, ever ate dill pickles from anywhere else but my mom's dill pickles. So when I went off to university and I bought my first jar of dill pickles, I was so excited and I took a bite and I was They're like, oh, were these awful. are bad. And so I called mom. I'm like, mom, these, these dill pickles are bad. She goes, well, go buy another jar. So I buy a second jar. They taste exactly the same. I dumped those out and she started to laugh. She goes, Carrie, it's just because I make my dill pickles a little Right. A they little weren't different. bad. They just weren't mom's. I was sheltered. I did live a sheltered so life in that you- regard. So Can the whole the moral of that story, now? yeah, is I, I had to learn. I, I I was a horrible cook when I went to university. I had to kind of learn on my own because mom was teaching the older ones. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> a great cook, but I'm a great baker. And oh, I, I nice. say that because I, I, I make her buns. Yeah. I make her uh, oatmeal rye bread. Yeah. I make cookies. I make cinnamon buns. Everything that it I It shocks put. me that you make that. It does? Yeah, Why because you're all like Miss Healthy. and That's why I make it. So cinnamon I can contr- buns i can control Carry. all well i i can control all the ingredients i make them with almond flour and half the sugar and i know everything that's going Those into that great. recipe they are <laughs> it's just like that my favorite restaurant that i ever took you to yes. that you still rave about today there's an epic story <laughs> Tell, right? go ahead Gary. oh yeah that. well listen because sometimes i'll say hey let's do lunch because we talk about and actually that lunch was about podcasting before we started it was. this, I wanted, you asked about I wanted some, some knowledge on so, that. So the, the long and short of that is I took you to my favorite restaurant in the city. It's called KB & Co. Um, for those of you who know it, you know that it's um, vegetarian, uh, vegan actually. And one of the yeah, reasons, first difference. of all, one of the reasons I love it so much is that, well, first of all, everything, the ingredients are unbelievable. She lists them all. Here's the second reason. Christina Botello was one of the first people, top 10 people on my podcast. She has the most incredible story. So I wanted to support her, but then I go there and her food is off the charts. And I thought that you should put some of that good stuff in your body. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and I did. <laughs> you did. I tried it. You had the walnut meat. Is that what? Oh yeah. Which I think <laughs> it's funny you call it meat because it's, it's not meat. It is meat. So I know a guy named Fred. Belinsky, and he owns a restaurant called Meat, and it's an unbelievable. He has a great story, and so I go there often. Very it's a funny. Lie. I'm just lying. I know you are, but I, I know tell. it did make me laugh that the restaurant has things that they called meat when it's a vegan restaurant. Like it's not yeah, meat, but it is. It's coconut it's, bacon. I know, but it's not. Okay, but that's not. Well, you just change the way you look at things, and the things you look at will change. Actually, there was a couple tasty. You should try. You should try it a lot more. You need to put that good stuff in your body. You need to value your health. I know. I really. I don't. Yes. Yes. I know. It's one of like I smoke. You're not fat, but the smoking does bother me. Now you're flirting again. I am. Listen, I'm not. You've lost a lot of weight. I've lost a little bit of weight. Like how much? Oh, like a ton. That's how fat I was. How? How? Do you feel better? No. Not at all. I need to start eating more vegan food. You do. I know. I don't actually. You need to eat eat cleaner. Let's not. This isn't about me. Let's go back to your uh, childhood on the farm, little house on the prairie. Yes, you could say that. You end up um, now. Now, what's concerning to me is you're like, and every Sunday I got to see my friends. Were you homeschooled? No, I wasn't. But I was just. I've always been a social child. Okay. So then on Friday, you know, you take the bus home, and then you're just on the farm. It's not like you can walk next door to someone's house and hang out. So I mean, we had enough kids to have our own 
baseball team and play baseball, but sure. it's not always fun hanging out with your family. With your and we did a lot of work. Nonstop. Exactly. But we had I learned to drive a, a motorcycle when I was five years old. Like I'm riding around in my Yamaha 80. Yeah. I was on a skidoo um, when I was four. I have a picture like I was just little, yeah. little. And I'd go bombing around. That's why I just, you had to make your own fun. Yeah, so I always you. had a great imagination. Now you, you go into junior high, high school. Because this was where, what was the town called? Fairview. Fairview. Yes. Um, but now you're in high school. Mm-hmm. You're driving. You're now, uh, for some reason, and I don't know why, I've just got this image of the movie Footloose. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just it like carrying it all. Just being like, whoa, like this is going to these country <laughs> dance parties. Kevin Bacon showing up. Our, our Chris place, Penn. Yeah. Like, you dated a guy like Chris Penn, who's like this big guy, uh, Dan. No. Not okay. quite. I wouldn't say that. But we did party at Dead End. That was our favorite place it's to party. Dead End? It actually was a dead end, and that's where the parties oh. were. Yeah. Like it was a, so it was a road with a dead end? Yes. And that's where you party. That, that was a big place to go party. It was at Dead End. Love it. Yes. And was it kind of footloosey? Um, ish. Yes, it was. We always, but we were very like I was in grew up, grew up in the eighties. My um, so lots of eighties music. Yeah. So that's Footloose. Yeah, Footloose. Yeah, more Footloose-y. rock and roll, yeah. like more some AC/DC. Well, we've been late eighties because yeah. you and I are same era. Yeah, I we are like a year apart. Yeah. So same era, like some good GNR, some good Guns yeah. N' Roses. Oh yeah, yeah, right? Bon Jovi. Oh, the Brian bon Adams. Jovi. Yes, uh, AC/DC. Nice. Yeah. Well, so you're yeah. a rocker. I yeah, I loved it. I just went and saw Rock of Ages, the musical. Oh, oh, it was awesome. Good. My daughter and I sang to every song. Nice. Anyway, I, I like that you pass that on to your daughter too. Yes. Oh, she loves the eighties. Yeah, I loves think kids the eighties. Music today is uh-huh. shit. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> right? I think the stuff they're listening is like, what? That's music. Anyways, yeah. That's an old man talking now. Mm, well. So you are coming out of uh, the. You're, you're a country bumpkin. Yes. And you are coming out of high school. And what is your aspiration? You know, I always wanted to go to university. It was um, a goal of mine. And uh, I was really excited to head to Calgary. That's where I went to the University of Calgary. But I wasn't sure. I thought that I was going to be going to psychology, probably because the, the gift of talking and connecting with people. And can I share a story? I'll Please. try to keep it as, as, as tight as you possible. You are a storyteller and the podcasts are about stories. They are. Tell a story. Because as that is the only way we can connect yes. is through story. Facts tell, stories sell. Okay. Um, so I, I went into university and I, t- I tell this story in graduation speeches. I've given a lot of graduation speeches to classes over the years when I was a, uh, a newscaster and, um, and I do it because um, it, to inspire the kids. I think it gives them good tools to find what it is they're searching for. So I went to university. I was a decent student. I had to work for my grades. So probably average between 80, 85. Go to the University of Calgary thinking I'm going to do psychology. And I took one psychology course. And with all due respect to the profession, I was bored to tears. Mm. I was like, oh, my God, I can't do this. So I took that first year every course, every subject available from anthropology to phys ed nothing stuck. And I could not get above a C. I couldn't crack 60. Mm. Could not, no matter what I did. So I left university kind of disillusioned and really, really um, 
heartbroken about. I had no clue what I wanted to do, but I did know I had to pay for my university and I needed the highest paying job available. I got a job with the Alberta gar- government with parks and recreation. I used to clean outhouses at provincial parks. That's yep. Shitty. Clean the shitters wow. and pick up the garbage and cut grass. But I was outside in the mountains cause I was near like ghost Lake and whatnot out by Cochrane. Yeah. Beautiful area. Beautiful. And they would be three hour drives between the parks I was taking care of. And one day I, I, I had what I call an epiphany and I had a three hour drive ahead of me. And I said, what do I want to do with my life? And I isolated three principles. The first thing I knew that my career had to embody my talents and abilities. So pause. What were my talents and abilities? I was a ferocious reader. I loved to write. And for some reason, I had a gift for public speaking. And I tell you a little bit more about that. When I was in elementary school, I competed in every public speaking competition that I went that was available. And I'm just saying I won every single one I entered and I didn't know why until grade six. I'm waiting for my turn to go back. We had to write a speech and then we had to deliver it. And there's probably about 300 people in the audience. I was so excited to go and I'm waiting backstage and I watch this girl and she's pacing. I was like, that's odd. I wonder why she's doing that. I hope she's okay. So I went up to her and I said, are you okay? And she goes, I'm so nervous. And I said, why are you nervous? Because they never happened to me. And she looked at me like I had two heads. And she goes, honestly, she goes, I think I'm going to throw up. And I said, why? Do you have the flu? And she goes, no. And it was like nothing connected with me because it never happened to me. When I stepped on stage, it was like rocket fuel to me. It just made me blossom. So my talents and abilities, writing, reading, public speaking, that's one. The second principle I isolated is I love being part of a team. You allow me to work on my, uh, by myself and I get, I get so, I, I just, lose focus. I'm not productive. Put me on a team and I will excel like that. And the third thing I know about myself is I get bored like that in an instant. I need a new challenge every day, every day, every day. So all of a sudden I thought of those things plugged in the variables and broadcasting came up like a flashy neon sign. And I'm like, oh my God, can I do that? Can I do that? Went back to the UFC, enrolled in communication studies. And guess what my first assignment was? I had to give a speech. And guess what? I got my first A. And the A's just started to roll in after that. And I didn't have to work for them because it all came naturally to me. I had tapped into my superpowers. So if you can do that, I tell students to do that, to take those three principles that I isolated and ask yourself, interview yourself, ask yourself those same questions, see what those answers are. And it led me on the greatest career path that I could ever have dreamed of. You then ended up going to SATE. And then I went to SATE because after (laughs) doing my communications degree, I had a lot of theoretical knowledge and not a lot of practical experience. So I wanted that practical experience where you learn something in the classroom one day and that afternoon you're in the field doing it. So lots of practical experience. Took the long route, six years of post-secondary education, but it paid off and then the jobs just started to come from there. Okay. So you say the jobs started to come. You still had to be relentless in your pursuit of your career because it's not an easy career. No, It's it's not like someone just gets the six o'clock anchor job at a major market news station um and i actually feel like i could talk a little bit about this because my wife's been in the news forever Mm -hmm. so i know a little bit about the industry a tiny tiny bit where did you start where did you have to go did you do your practicum in texas or something i did so i and that i would say looking back on 
uh, my career, that's the perfect word I would use is relentless. And it started with manifesting things. And when I tell people to manifest, it's one thing to say it in your head. It's another thing to say it out loud. So when I was in SAIT and I'm driving my beat up little car to SAIT every day across the city, I had to go buy CTV. I would look up at Broadcast Hill and every time I passed it there and back, I would say, look up and say, I will work there one day. Mm -hmm. I will not, I want to, there's a difference. I will work there one day. And I did, as you know. So it, it started there. A few of the other things I did to give me um, a leg up on, on the competition or anyone else is I volunteered at any place they would take me, any yeah. place. At Shaw, I volunteered. I did it like an eight-part golf series before I knew how to golf. <laughs> I covered Stampede. I, I covered all the sports for the university TV station because they had a university TV station. And that was all volunteer work. All six years. Wow. So I had six years of volunteer experience on camera before I ever applied for a job. I had a massive resume tape to yeah. choose from. Yeah. I mean, it was nuts. And uh, the first uh, little job I got was I had to be a runner for TSN during the Calgary Stampeders and Edmonton, the Labor Day Classic. Okay. And you know who the, the first person at the end, the game ends and there I am and all of the broadcasters were busy. And I was just, my job was just to go get people that they needed for interviews. Sure. Well, everybody's busy and they're yelling in my headset, Carrie Dahl, go and get Doug Flutie. We need to talk to the quarterback right now. And I'm like, what? I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't even know how to do this and I go like they said just run up and grab him and say TSN uh, needs him and I'm like I got this I'm going to be relentless and I pushed through all of those reporters like I was little pushed through them all I said Doug carried all from TSN please come with me they're waiting for you to do a live interview right away he goes, got you, follow me. And I'm <laughs> just like went. running across the field going, holy shit, Doug yeah. Flutie, who was the number one quarterback yeah. at the time, is following me across the field to the TSN booth. Who am I right now? Yeah. I'm still a student. Yeah. And do you know what else? I got paid $125 for an eight-hour day, and I never cashed the check. I still have it. I would have cashed the check for sure. I forgot to. I was so excited. <laughs> mm. So you, you, you end up doing all this, and then your first – Oh, Texas, you asked about. Well, you went to Texas. Yeah. That was a practicum thing, right? Or to yeah, I, I could, you could choose wherever you wanted. And the reason I wanted to go to Texas is because my best friend was there. She was a nurse and uh, she was working there. So I wanted to go see her. But most importantly, I wanted a taste of the American market. Mm. I knew that Americans cover news differently than Canadians. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to, I wanted to taste it. Yeah. And so I went down there and I worked there for a month and a half. And it was a brilliant experience. It's everything. It's live, local, late breaking, and they cover it all. And they have every piece of live equipment that you can possibly imagine. News is just different down there, it is. isn't it? Yeah. Do, would you would is. you would is it okay to say like it's just bigger? Yeah. Is it I don't want to say more important, but they put way more resources into they it, do. right? They have way more money, way yeah. more resources. Here's the best I worked in Lubbock, Texas. That was where I did my internship city of 250,000 people, also the birthplace of Buddy Holly, in case you're interested. Mm. So back then, 250,000 people, Edmonton, metropolitan region of well over a million. Back then, they had five live trucks. We're going back 30 years. The yeah. most CTV ever had when I worked for them was two. Yeah. A million versus population of 250,000, right. Right? right? But it was very cool. They offered me a job when I was finished and they said to me, but all y'all can't talk like that down here. Y'all won't fit in. And I'm like, is that even English? Like, what did you just say to me? <laughs> it means I had a neutral accent and they wanted me to develop a draw. And I'm like, I love you guys. And I had the best that? time of my life. There's no way I'm doing it. Yeah. So I went home. 
I took a road trip and I hit every city. Instead of sending out resume tapes, I called every television station. I went from Calgary to Red Deer to Edmonton to Lloydminster across to Prince Albert down to um, Saskatoon, car broke down, got it fixed onto Regina, into Dauphin, Manitoba, and back to Calgary again. And I watched every newscast, shook the hand of every news director, met the crew, uh, the talent and behind the scenes, watched their, their newscast live. When I came home, I had four job offers on the table. Wow. That is the definition of relentless. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. I didn't know you did yeah. all that. Yeah. It's interesting. We had Ryan Urshalga on the pod. Oh, I, love I say Ryan. the pod because it sounds cool. It is. It does. I yeah. should start saying that. Well, I might you rip might, you off on that. I'll teach you a few podcasts. Okay. But, but Shogger came on and, it, you know, it was a different story, but similar attitude of just getting out there, getting the name out there, meeting as many people yeah. as possible, almost doing things before job opportunities came up just because then they're going to know who he was. It's very similar to what you did here which is incredible. Well, it is a very, very competitive market mm. and you have to find ways to separate yourself. And uh, I wanted to people to be able to attach a name and a personality or a face and a personality to the name Carrie Doll. And right. the only way I could do that is to get in front of them and to shake their hands and to talk to them. Let's fast forward a bit because I think you were in Calgary for with C CTV in Calgary. Yep. Right. Yes, and I was. then came to Edmonton? Yeah. So what happened? I started in Yorkton, Saskatchewan. Okay. Was there for six months. Then went on to Lethbridge. Was there for eight months. Then came to the Mighty Eye, ITV, and worked with Gordon Linda. And I was their, their live reporter. And I did the weekend news. I was there for um, uh, two years. And then CTV, CFRN at, at the time, called me and asked me to come across the street. I said no, and then I did. And I was with CTV for three years, reading the Noon Hour News with Joel Gottlieb yep. and doing Medical Watch. And then- That's when I met you. Yes. Yep. And then Calgary called. So I left after three years and I went to Calgary and I was there. So that, that, that dream man that manifested itself there. I was there for a year, a month, and a day. And mm -hmm. post 9-11, Edmonton called me back and said- we have uh, a vacancy in our six o'clock anchor spot and your name is on it. We want you back. Mm. So I went back and I anchored with Daryl for 15 years. And that's, that's the big chair that you want. Yeah, right? it was the big chair, but it wasn't my dream. Like if that was part of my dream, it wasn't my whole dream. My dream was to anchor a morning show in the U S I mm. wanted to be on the today show. Right. I did. That was always my dream. And so I was in Edmonton for one year doing the news, loving it. And global and Toronto offered me their six o'clock news. Mm -hmm. full in writing and um i had just met my husband today stephen Potaski, six weeks earlier mm -hmm. did a lot of soul searching and i told him about it and he said the best words he ever could is i would never stand in the way of your dream he said you need to do what's right for you well, sorry, even Carrie, though but six weeks in like you shouldn't be standing <laughs> from your dreams no offense man stephen like you're very handsome and very <laughs> smart and cool and successful, but six weeks in, a little cocky. I won't stand in your way, Carrie. But anyways, go ahead. As it happens, I already, I was that person. I was a late bloomer. I was 32 when I got married. Right. Um, and I knew I was going to marry him. I never, ever felt like that about anyone. So I knew. But I, I was relentless in my pursuit to be treated fair and mm. to get what I felt I deserved. So I took that job offer from Toronto and I pushed it across the desk of my boss at the time at CTV. And I said, Toronto wants me. You know, what do you think about that? And, and my boss at the time said, give me the day. 
And uh, when I came back at the end of the day, he made it more than worth my while to stay. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so I, I said yeah, goodbye, release my dreams with gratitude, and uh, called Edmonton home and have ever since. So 15 years on the – and we're going to get to Stephen in a bit. And you're – honestly, I'm not trying to be funny. Like your beautiful marriage to this awesome mm, dude. Thank you. Um, 15 years on the desk, who – what's the toughest part of that job? I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyways. What's the toughest part to that job? Uh, you know what? Honestly, I, I had to think about that. Is shutting out the noise. It's the judgment that came with that position. The day in and day out judgment. I was very comfortable with who I was and who I am. I was never Carrie Doll from CTV. I was always just Carrie Doll. Mm-hmm. My job never defined me. I defined me. But people love to rip you to shreds at any chance they get. And it was so hard to tune out the noise. When I was pregnant, I was called fat at so many times. So there you are eight months pregnant and people are like, holy man, has Carrie Doll ever gained a lot of weight? Holy, is she ever fat? When I get tweets like that, I would just retweet them. I was smart enough to do that. They judged my hair. They judged my clothing. Um, it was a constant, relentless judgment. The worst that ever came my way. And I, I kept this email maybe to remind me of who I was. Came from a father. And it was after I had Allegra. And after... Um, Your second child. My second child. Our second child. So anyway, what happened was I'm on maternity leave. And I... When you're pregnant, everything grows. You know, you're you're... Anyway, your hair grows for most women. They get some, I got an awesome head of hair. My hair grew long. And um, after I had Allegra, I decided I finally wanted to lose that extra 10 pounds that I've been packing around for a while. And I had the time I was at home, more time to work out, you know, even though I had babies and stuff, I had some help. So I lost my baby weight and then some grew my hair out and I had to get braces put back on. And I'm like, I don't care if I'm still in the air. We got to do this because I had a tooth that was missing and a bridge that was broken and we needed to fix it. The only mistake I made in getting those braces put on is I should have had bright metal braces with bright elastics on them. Instead, I had clear braces put on so they wouldn't be so noticeable on TV. I went back on the air and and I I look different. Admittedly, when I lose weight, Mm -hmm. my face gets thin. Mm -hmm. My hair was long. Oh, yeah. I went back on the air and Daryl did say, he goes, you do look different, Dolly. I go, I know everybody does when they lose the weight. When I left, you saw me at like nine months pregnant. Now, like I'm, I'm a lot lighter than I was. And I got this scathing email from a father and he said, Carrie, he said, you were a role model for my daughters for years. We watched you. They have been growing up with you and they wanted to be carried all when they grew up. And after seeing you tonight on the news and all the plastic surgery that you've had done to your face, never, ever again will we ever turn on the TV with you on it in our house again. You are a disgrace to women oh everywhere. My gosh. Plastic surgery. Wow. I'm like, geez, but I had plastic surgery. I hope it would have turned out a little better than that. <laughs> <laughs> Right? All I did was lose some weight and grow my hair out. And I just got raked over the coals. So dealing with that and processing that and knowing who you are and not like some, some days you'd sit down to read the news and you'd be like, does my outfit look okay? Is my hair okay? Or people are going to criticize me for this. You know, is this too tight? It's distracting. It's distracting. 
be distracting, but I mean, it's also and it's hard me, on your self confidence. Oh yeah, like I can't. You know, people struggle with self confidence just normally because it's the way we are as human beings. And I don't care if you are what society deems as the best looking, most attractive yeah. human to ever live. You still have some self esteem things going Always. on. It doesn't matter who you right. are. But in the public eye, I think that this is something people don't understand. You know, they don't look at it or they actually think that they have the right to judge you because, yeah. well, you made the choice to be in the That's public right. eye. So tough shit for you. Uh -huh. We're going to judge you. That's right. And it's really not fair. Uh -huh. It isn't. It was hard. You know? Yeah. That, that, that was without a doubt the hardest part. You thought I was going to say something else. I surprised you. I can tell oh, by no, your you reaction. Know you know why? Just because I was thinking of the end of your broadcasting career. Yeah. And I will never forget um, your last uh, six o'clock show. show. Um, and you said something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially you said something along the lines of um, for the, however many years now, however old the kids were at the time, yeah. um, I've been having supper with you every night, yeah. the viewers. It's time for me to go and have supper with my family. Yeah. And I thought that was such a powerful thing to say. Mm. And so that's what I thought. Was, and I think that actually probably was the hardest part for you at the yeah. end of your career, right? I think that that absolutely is part of it. I made what I call the hardest decision and the best decision of my life because mm -hmm. I had to find a career at that point in my life to work hours that worked for my family. Sure. Because I was getting home at 8 o'clock at night and I was missing out on the children's lives. I just wasn't present and yeah. I couldn't be present because work demanded so much of me. And back then, it's not only that you have to be TV ready with your you know, makeup and hair and your outfits, it's being plugged into current events 24-7. I can't tell you the number of times that that's back in the day when we used to do the noon hour news that Jazzy produced yeah. in the six o'clock that we would go live. It was all the time. Yeah. I remember when we had our first friendly fire deaths in Afghanistan and uh, it was 1030 in the morning and we were expecting that Airbus carrying the, their bodies to arrive during our noon hour broadcast. And I remember Steve Hogel running up from the back of the room screaming, Carrie, Daryl, get down to the studio now. You know, the plane is coming in. We have to go live. 10.30, Kyle. We went live for an hour and a half without scripts. Yeah. So that's either a, that's you know the grind. It, oh. And that's why I had to stay on top of current events and details at all times. I'd wake up in the morning. First thing I'd look at is Twitter. I'd have the American news on. Then I'd switch to our local news. Then I'm reading the journal. I'm looking at the sun. I, I had that all done before I stepped into the newsroom mm -hmm. because I had to be plugged in because there were times that, hey, we've got the prime minister day. You have to do an interview like in a half an hour. You have to be ready for it all. It's, it's, it reminds me of my wife. Yes. Being a news junkie. From yeah. the time I met her, she right. was a news junkie. It was weird. Yeah. And, you know, what? It's, you know, as you know, she teaches radio television now for a living. Like, she's still a news junkie. Uh-huh. She's still, like, hooked on what's happening here, what's going on here. Let's, you know. For sure. She but has to be. She has to be. But news has changed so much. Uh -uh, you just took the words out of my mouth. Right. Yeah. It really has. Because of social media. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I it's, saw the it's, writing on the wall back then. Yeah. And it's interesting because so did Jeanette. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's, you know, Jeanette changed careers from being a, she was on air for a long time. She too, was, but, yes. But, you know, um, a pr producing was her main love and I think she's very good at it. Oh, the best. And, but she, you know, an opportunity came up to be an instructor and I think she was seeing the writing on the wall yeah. too. It's changed. It has. It's changed. In a dramatic way and it's because the, with the, 
arrival of social media, you can now become your own broadcasting entity, which yeah. is very, very dangerous. And we saw that look in Donald me. Trump. Look at me right yeah, now. Oh, I know. Sorry, you're talking about Donald Trump, not me. <laughs> but you look at Trump as your prime example. If you look at the followers when back in the day when he was allowed to be on Twitter, his followers were, what were they, 150 million? There are no, if you combined ABC, CBS, NBC, and CNN, and if you want to throw Fox, that ship, whatever, into the mix, you still don't even have a quarter of those viewers. Sure. You can't touch those numbers. So he becomes this voice. Well, you create your own news. You do. Yeah. That's what he, his own broadcasting entity. And, and anything you want to find out about, um, it's on social media before it's ever going to hit the news anyways. I yeah. mean, we used to sit and watch the six o'clock news because we got to, you and Daryl told us what was happening that's in the right. world. That's right. And that's not the case anymore. No. It's just not. That's why that job was such an honor and a privilege and a massive responsibility Mm -hmm. because I used to think of that all the time as, you know, we're getting counted down into the news. And when we have big stories, I would think like, this is so cool. Like people are turning on their TVs and they're going to hear this news for the first time from us. Right. From us. We have the privilege of telling them this. It's not that way anymore. No. It's just not. You know, you, you I, hear about news is instantaneous. I'm a sports guy. I love my highlights. And when I, I almost every night I watch highlights when I fall asleep. Yeah. Uh, on, on the TSN, we put it. Well, I say we. Jeanette's already asleep and I put it on. <laughs> I already know what's happened in 95% of the game. Yeah. I still want to watch the highlights because I just saw the scores sure. or whatever. But we used to watch highlights to find out what happened. I know. And now it's just different. Mm-hmm. But. It is what it is. I mean, it's not going back. No. You know. Hello, everybody. My name is Kyle Dubay, and I'm the host of the Relentless Podcast. I'm so glad that you're listening. I'm so glad that you're going to join us. Being relentless is not easy, but being relentless can work. That was the aha moment. Then the work started. Specifically, what I cared about was the organizations that were having an impact in the lives of youth. Everybody's welcome down here. And that's what we want at the ballpark. It is inclusive. For your first podcast, you really went all out. We're not playing here. Like, we're, this is what we do. This looks like a, like a low rent UFC show, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, you're like the Dana White of UCAN. With the bald head, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Dana Beige. Yeah. I love talking to these folks. I love learning about them, hearing their stories, and I hope that it's going to be the same for you. It's not going uh, they, back. It can't, I can't see it. It's it's changing, and I'm sure Jeanette is finding that out as she's teaching it, is her approach to teaching broadcasting. Well, she teaches the social media. Yeah. Like, that's what she teaches now, yeah. more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And well, I shouldn't say that because I don't really pay attention to what she does. As long as she's bringing some bacon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, she's contributing. Uh, she, always no, has. she always has. She yeah. always has. More, usually more than me, to be honest. Um, that's why I love the media. It always helped pay for our mortgage. <laughs> so, But, you know, it, it is interesting how it's changed. And now uh, where people are getting so much of their information is because there's so many different types, but is on podcasting. Yes. And let's talk podcasting okay. because I am loving podcasting. Are I you? Am. What do I you am. love about it? I love meeting people. I mean, there's obviously some great people that I've had on here that I feel very close to. Mm-hmm. You're one of them Thank where you. this relationship is already so strong. It's mm-hmm. there. But I've learned, we're going to talk about with you. There's some things I didn't know about you. Yes. And so you have these conversations. I think it's great. I love talking to people and hearing their stories. 
which yeah. is a big thing for you, is yeah. storytelling. Yeah. And what I've realized about every single person that I've brought on the podcast is they they want to tell their story. And that isn't a bad thing. That isn't a egotistical thing. Because if you think about having a conversation in a coffee shop or at a friend's house or at work, whatever that is, people do like to talk about their lives, yes, what's do. happening in their lives, what's going on, the ups, the downs, the good, mm-hmm. the bad, and the ugly. And what I realized doing the podcast is that if you can give people that opportunity, it's such an amazing yeah. thing for them to talk. And I'm learning so many things about so many different areas yeah. and I'm being inspired. You know, the whole concept of this thing is relentless. And I am inspired by people who are relentless. I really am. So that's what I'm loving about it. And and I think I talked to you about it too. In my journey of life and uh, with, with my son dying, this has become cathartic for me. Mm-hmm. I need connection with yes, people. Yes, you do. I've always been that way. I will always mm-hmm. be that way. The older I get... I actually think I need a little less because I'm getting grumpier, right? (laughs) But this connection with people has been incredibly good for me. So that's what I love about it. What do you love about it? Well, I will echo all of those sentiments, but it's the what I call my tagline on the inner circle with Carrie Doll is stories well told. Mm -hmm. And Kyle, in my public speaking course, that's what I teach every student that I instruct is stories is the number one way we connect. We cannot connect over facts. We can only connect through stories. And so that's why Maya Angelou always said, people may not remember what you said, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. Mm. It's the feeling that comes from the stories. Because I can <laughs> I can give you, say, uh, the economy fell by 35% and 300,000 people lost work this year and 127 you know, people had to change careers. I can start throwing numbers down. You're not going to remember any of it until you, I look at you and say, I'm one of the 300,000. Mm. And I lost my job because of it. And because of that loss in job, we went down to one vehicle in our house because we couldn't afford two. I had to go back to work. It broke my heart. I'm stressed out most days, but I know we're going to be okay. Mm. What are you going to remember about what I just told you? I made all that stuff up, by the way, but it's the story that you remember. And it's the same. The example I always use in my public speaking course is when Barack Obama came onto the world stage and he gave arguably the biggest speech of his life was at the Democratic National Convention. I think it was in 2004. Stepped onto the stage, probably a billion people watching around the globe. And they're thinking, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Nobody has heard of this nominee. He steps out and I analyzed his speech. I think he went on for seven minutes and he told his story. He told about his meager upbringings. He explained the history um, of where they live, the history of his name. He's talked about his grandma and grandpa, his mom and dad, where he went to school. Seven minutes, the very first seven minutes were his story because, and he got multiple standing ovations and he kept using the words, my story, my story. He did that because he knew that that's the only way people can connect. Because as they listen, people listening going, me too, Mm. me too. I'm just like that. I'm just like that. So when you tell me your story of, let's say, your grief journey, I say, me too. And all of a sudden, we have this special connection. So it's through story that we connect. And it's also through story that we inspire and empower. So for my podcast, I can't tell you the number of times I feel so privileged, first of all, 
that people trust me with their story because we get vulnerable, as you well know. But I have heard the words, you've changed my life with this story countless times. I can't count from people all over the world. I get DMs and emails and everything from listeners all over the world that say, thank you for normalizing menopause and talking about menopause. Thank you for talking about suicide. Thank you for shedding the light on sexual abuse and sharing Glory's story all the time. And I'm like, I don't deserve the thanks. I'm just the vehicle. They deserve it because they trust me. They step into the inner circle and they share their story. There's the power. They step into their power. It's the power of the conversation and the storytelling via the podcast. Yeah. But the beauty of it is I wish people would. I was talking to some folks the other night. I went over to their place for supper. Jeanette was uh, out at the cabin. And, and they actually invited both Jeanette and I over. And I said, well, wow. Jeanette's not there. I know. And I thought I wouldn't get the invite. But they still had me, which was what? so wow. nice. I know. Because wow. usually it's they want Jeanette. But <laughs> went over. And we they were just asking me all about the podcast. And she just had some really interesting questions and good questions. And I said, but here's the thing. We were talking about other things as well. But I said, we're podcasting right now. This yes. is what I've realized. Yes. Most conversations we have with people, you could probably put on a podcast. You could. That's it. Yes. Which is kind of cool if you think about it. It is kind of cool. And you know what else is kind of cool about that? And I, I don't know if you're aware of that you're doing this, but if I put on my coach hat for a second, okay. Okay. is I tell people that struggle with public speaking, what you do in conversation you should do on the stage. Yes. Same thing. So when when you and I are sitting here and podcasting, we're public speaking right now. Yeah. If I was to step on a riser called a stage, okay, then I'm public speaking. If I'm presenting in a boardroom, I'm public speaking. If I'm having a conversation with someone, I'm public speaking. Yeah. Your stage is all around you. So what you do so naturally, I've noticed it from the beginning, is what you do in conversation, you do do on stage. You never struggled with public speaking. I think because you've understood that or it's just come easy to you. So people who struggle public speaking, remember, you're just having a conversation with the audience. Yeah, and I don't know if I've ever um, – I shouldn't say early on in my career because I do do a lot of public speaking. And I, I don't know if it was a conscious thing that I knew that, but I've realized that over the years yeah. that at the end of the day, people want to see a speaker who's authentic and and actually cares about what they're talking about. And I look at every time I'm on there, even though sometimes they're not interacting back because depending on the situation, yeah. they may not be able to. I'm looking at it almost as though let's have a conversation. Let's interact. That's right. And that's the way that I've kind of always done mm -hmm. it. But like you, I was never shy to talk. I just wasn't, which got yeah. me a lot of shit yeah. growing up, to be honest with you. Like, so mine wasn't, I wasn't in competitions like you, asking the little boy, why are you pacing? Are you going to throw up? Do you have the flu? I would have been like, I'm glad you're pacing. You're going to lose this competition. I hope you puke while you're on stage. God. So that's why I got in trouble when I was a kid. But I never had an issue um, doing the public speaking thing. And and I, I remember 19 years old coming back from – I went on a missions trip at the church I oh. was at. Yep. PTL. Praise wow. the Lord. Okay. And, amen. Uh, amen. Um, and we should – now we're – well, no. We can – I can say you're amen. Catholic. I am. I'm Protestant. We've dealt amen. with our differences. So – I, they asked me to speak on behalf of the group that went over. We were in, in Thailand, Laos, and Vietnam. And, and um, we did end up raising some money to put in a water system for this village. It was pretty cool, actually. 
But I remember standing up and talking. And I, you know me, like I love to, uh, I said it on your podcast, like I'm a bit of a, an idiot. Like I, I love to laugh. And you joke. love humor. Yeah. I love it. It's, it's, it's so important. So, you know, I tried to say a couple funny things and I told our little story, but I, I had zero nervousness doing it. And some yeah. of the group was like, oh no, Kyle, you go do it. Cause I don't, I said, yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. Cause I just thought I'll just tell everyone's story. Like this is fun. Yeah. And I was hooked. I was hooked. I just thought this is you this stepped is into I that do. power and yeah. and found that way to navigate it. Whereas that's what I was going to say with the Barack Obama story is when I coach people, the number one thing that they need to do, I don't care what kind of speech you're giving, is you open with a story, mm-hmm. a relevant story, yeah. because it helps um, dissipate the nerves, mm-hmm. you know, breaks those apart. And it also warms the, the audience to you. You become connected right off the bat. If yeah. you can tell a story that's relevant and that's how you should open every speech you uh, give is with a story. I agree. And, Facts and tell, stories sell. Yeah. I don't know if I do stories. Like at our community. So for example, uh, you can't see it if you're listening, but. Uh, I know I got lucky enough yeah, to have this beauty. You this, got the. Uh, uh, the 18 year old Kyle. 17 year old Kyle oh, Dubay. 17. I call it the sexy 17 year old Kyle Dubay. Right. Yeah, and these are on the cups, but these are the cups that we gave away at comedy nights because what oh. we do is when they introduce me to go up, a lot of the people don't know who I am. Yeah. A lot of the people know who I am, but I do this silly thing where it's like you were the second place winner of this game that we had already done. <laughs> Come on up, and they get this. Or last year we gave T-shirts. <laughs> You've seen me give yes, so many of these. I know, I love it. I still think things it. Are, yeah. they're funny. But that what that does for me is it breaks ice, yeah, and and then I right. think people go oh because I like I often say I'm an executive director who does not take himself seriously, mm-hmm. but I take our work very yes. seriously. And what I've realized is that my job as the executive director, amongst a lot of things that I have to do, but I'm the storyteller of yeah. the organization. Uh, in some ways, I'm the salesman for yeah. the organization, so I need to tell. Did you hear what you just said? That you're the salesman and so many people don't think that stories are relevant to sales. It's the only way you sell. It's the best way to sell. It is the best way to sell. And I don't care what you're selling. We're giving away a lot of knowledge here. Oh my gosh, people are. And you have brought, like you're talking about coaching and like you're like, Kyle, like Barack Obama and you are so similar. And so thank you for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's, uh, how long have we been talking? I have no clue. Let me check. But oh, geez, we're coming up on almost two hours. One hour, pardon me. You wish two hours. So (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about a couple more things and we're going to wrap. Because you and I could talk for two hours. We could. Which I love. Um, and then we have the relentless test that we take at the end. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Scientific. It's pretty impressive. Wow, you're going to love it. I can't wait. You're going to love it. Uh, let's talk about, if you're okay, you have hearing issues. Yeah. So, yeah it's, um, and you say that you've never talked about this publicly. So no. I, I want to talk about this publicly for two reasons. Okay. One, I find it interesting. Yeah. And two, I feel like I got a scoop on my podcast. So <laughs> you got a so- Oh my God. Why does that not surprise me? Yeah, I am giving you a scoop because yeah. I haven't even actually talked about it on my podcast. Okay, so- and it's not um, something I'm ashamed of or anything like that. I just have never really, like all my friends, close people um, to me all know I have hearing loss. So I was born with a genetic hearing loss in the low tones and the high tones, my hearing's perfect in the low tones. My hearing is 40 Hertz below zero. So I don't you know think- what that means. 
think of zero and temperature. Now think of how cold minus 40 is. Okay. So that gap, that's how much I'm missing of conversation. It's mm. a big gap only in the low tone. So it's usually men with low voices that I can't hear. Yeah. Like and, you said when you came in that you struggle hearing me sometimes. Yeah. All the time. All and, the time. Yeah. I'm an expert lip reader. Hmm. And it's been since I was a young age, I had my hearing tested. So, but it wasn't only me. I have the hearing loss. My oldest sister, Judy, has this exact same hearing loss. And my dad had the hearing loss. And my opa, doll, had the hmm. hearing. We all did. And so that's why I knew my mom knew something was wrong, had me tested early. The way I, I, I do have two hearing aids that I put them in. I wore them to CTV one day. And I remember because CTV's on Stony Plain Road. And I was walking in and I was like, wow, what's that sound? And I'm looking around because like everything was new to me because it's usually quiet when I'd yeah. walk into work. It was the hum of the traffic. I'd never heard the hum of the traffic. Wow. It was so low. And so what protected me all those years were a few things. When I was on television, I had IFB in my ear. And that's for those people who don't know, it's like an earpiece yeah. and I can control the volume. So not only did I have program sound in my ear, I had Daryl's voice in my ear and I had Jeanette, so my producer's yeah. voice in, in my ear when need be. So the other thing that helped me, and especially when we do like uh, election coverage, Daryl would always say, give Dolly two IFB. So I would have them like headphones and I could hear everything. It was crisp, but then I take it off and it's especially, so men's voices are difficult. If you turned around and talked with your back to me, even if it's high, I, I can't hear because mm. the sound <clears throat> is projecting out. And the other thing is in noisy rooms. It's so hard for me. So when I'm emceeing, I have to make sure I'm always in front of the speakers because if I'm standing behind the speakers, I'll miss what they say and I can't play off it when I go to the mic. That's so I'm, difficult. It's very difficult. And I've got burned a couple of times where someone has said something really funny and I missed it and I didn't have my enablers there. Right. By enablers, I mean, I had two. Daryl was one of them. Stephen was the other. So Daryl knew how bad my hearing was. And when we would go out to public events and we were in noisy rooms, if someone said something and I didn't hear, I would just look up uh, at him with big eyes and a panicked look. And he would lean over and whisper in my ear what was said. Mm. He did it to me like countless times over the years. Or when I was sitting there listening to someone, I can't do it. I would lean on my arm and cut my ear. I, that's why my hair was always long. I'd cup it because I can hear better. Wow. Um, or interviews were always great because I'd have my IFB and I could hear people yeah. that way. That's why I can, when I put these on, I'm like, ah, oh, I can really hear you. Yeah. Well, that's why we decided to talk about it today, right? So, you said that. But the problem was I do have the two hearing aids that when I put them in, I heard so many sounds I'd never heard before, but it was so overwhelming to my brain to process. Like I was exhausted after the first few days and I just couldn't take it. Guys, I can, my oldest sister says to me, I don't know how you get by. You get by so well. I also lip read. So if I'm having trouble, I'll watch someone's lips and yeah. I can fill in the blanks. But it's too much for my brain to process. And my biggest fear, I'll admit, is that... I worry that once I have those hearing aids in them, I'm going to lose it even further right. and It'll faster. Get worse. I will become reliant on them. And I see- is, with, that, is it proven that that would happen? I see some changes with my sister. Like she can't go without her hearing aids. Right. And she now that they have Bluetooth, so she watches TV that way. I mean, geez, I wouldn't mind that too because I can, but I put closed captioning on when I watch. Yeah. So I can read what I miss. Yeah. So I, I really should- go down that road i'm just i'm just not ready and i'm yeah. not afraid to admit yeah. that well, not I afraid appreciate you sharing that it's it really is an interesting fact about you that <laughs> especially in the job i did right my biggest fear cal or um my b biggest fear was covering court 
because when you go to court, you'd have to stand behind the lawyers and the lawyers would talk out toward the judge. Thank God when I first started in the business, like I tried to avoid court uh, every possible way I could because I couldn't hear what the lawyers were saying to the judge until they started putting in those assisted hearing devices. But thank God I remember one day I missed the entire verdict and I had to go ask the Edmonton Journal reporter, can you please tell me everything because I got to call in Mm. right now and tell everybody what's happening. I didn't hear a thing. Mm. So whenever I meet people or if I'm going out for a really important dinner, I will often tell them right away. I'll just say, just so that you know, I do have quite a loss in hearing. And if I ask you, pardon me, or I'm leaning into you to Mm -hmm. your mouth, this is why. Obviously, our dinners or lunches have never been too important. (laughs) (laughs) You've never told me. It's so funny. I always thought you knew that about me. I don't think I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I I appreciate you talking about it. And I I do think it's amazing that... You've been able to to do what you do, and I mean in all facets of life, not just just your career, but you know, with that disability, yeah, because that's what it is. It, oh, it absolutely you know? is. Yeah, I've gotten things wrong many times, and one time I almost got hit by a train mm. when I was in high school because I was driving driving my brother's car, and I had a, he had put a, a straight muffler on it, so it was loud, yeah. and I was coming up to train tracks, and the train, yes was honking the horn and I couldn't hear the horn because it's too low. And I barely went across the tracks and it was like, came right across. Like it was so close. I almost crashed. Oh man. Yeah. So there's been a few close calls because of it. Yeah. So. Well, we're going to, we're going to, because I said earlier we would do this and I know how disappointed he'd be if we didn't. I know. Very quickly. Let's talk about handsome Steven. Ah, my husband. Because you, you are relentless in your marriage. Yeah, you know you are relentless as a parent. So let's end the podcast with that. Yeah. Um, marrying him, like I, I married the best person for me. I, I We've been married going on 18 years. And um, our marriage gets better every single year. Hmm. It's because we invest in it. Yep. We really invest in it. And we will, we are those people because life gets busy. We schedule date nights. Yep. We schedule time together. We were just on a business trip in Las Vegas and he had a lot of business meetings and he is a constant, like a crazy planner. So I'll see his meetings show up in my calendar because so I can keep track of them. And then in the evening, he'll say, Carrie, Stephen, date night, seven to 10. Actually, it's usually just nine because we go to bed at 930 because we're crazy about our sleep. But we schedule date time and time together. So even though, you know, work is there, but our dates and our time together is just as important and time together without the kids we oh my gosh we, we adore our children like we all do as parents but um we need that time apart you sure. know strong parents strong family yeah. yeah so yeah coming up 18 years and um for those people that don't know i am nine years older than him and uh yeah i robbed the cradle pretty bad but that gosh it works well i know i know i'm just waiting right. for for you know he he always jokes and says to me he goes so when are you going to trade me in for a younger a younger model nice. right he goes you went nice. nine years at a time yeah. oh my god and i said i think it's right. the other way around no i think that neither of you are trading anybody in mm. you guys are a great couple you're Thank actually you. like a like at times I think I can speak for others. It's almost annoying. Where it's like, <laughs> oh, God, here they come again. They're attractive. Oh, they're successful. God. They seem to love each other. <laughs> F off. Uh, but 
a little nauseating, isn't it? <laughs> we have fun together. We well, really but I do. Know that. And we're and very like-minded. Yeah. Like we eat the same, we exercise yeah. the same. Because, we, yeah, you guys are both fit. We we do. It's a it's a lifestyle. But you know what? Good people. And thank you. I don't know Stephen well. You know, I I just don't. But anytime I'm around him, he's just a good guy. Thanks. And um, and I appreciate him. Um lending you to the cause of you can you services oh. so many times because you really helped out so much and this is where you and i developed our relationship yeah. and if i can say this um our our event has raised oh man where are we at now after this year we were at about over 13 years about 2.2 to 2.3 million dollars for our organization which is pretty amazing i do because i remember that i walked that journey with you, you are a huge reason why oh. though carrie because you and listen, part of it's your MC and you were great, but it was actually all the other conversations that we had where you challenged me hard. You you said this can be bigger, Kyle. This you can go bigger than what you're doing. And in order to get it to this next level, why don't, how about this? Check out this. Because you've had so much experience yeah. in this realm. And you also introduced me to some very important people who became big supporters of you can you services, which has been very important to us. Mm. And and I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you that you believed in the organization, but you believed in me. Yeah, which is, I did. Which is cool. And I know I that do. you still do. Yes, so I do. So I'm thankful for that. You are a relentless human being. We've had some fun today, which has yeah. been good. Because like I said, last time we talked, it was heavy. Yeah, it, it was. was and and uh, But to your point, quickly, your story... <coughs> Uh, will become and it is to today over 200 episodes my strongest most powerful podcast and the numbers show up because it's been sustained at number one in Canada for days and it's still trending in top 10 over two weeks after I released it so that shows the power of you sharing Luke's story and your story and the lives you're impacting because I'm hearing from people all the time and that's that's why we did it um, you know we really want people to talk about that stuff and and you know what how about this listen to carrie doll's podcast <laughs> the inner thank circle you. if you want to hear that um plus many many other incredible guests and thank you for having me on there we're going to end this podcast with the uh relentless quiz okay. scientific we we did a little bit of work on this had some some folks come in um, put these questions together, and at the end, we will. De- it'll determine how relentless you are. Okay. As a person. Didn't you okay. want my definition of relentless? Not too? yet. I worked Not hard yet. on that. You're get, we're gonna do that after. Okay. 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 No, I appreciate you trying to jump in and take over. <laughs> oh, 200 episodes. Okay, so I'll get to the questions okay, already. Well, uh, yeah, if you let me. <laughs> Here we go. Fruits or vegetables? Vegetables. Too much sugar and fruit. city or countryside Uh, that's so hard this wasn't meant to be easy um oh i i i'm gonna have to go city okay dirty bathroom or dirty kitchen Oh, my God. How can you even ask me that question? I, I can't even choose. You have Both to. are disgusting. You have to. Kitchen. Okay. Salty or sweet? Salty. That's what you didn't even take. Sh- I should let you taste my water. Salty water. 
It's good for you. It's good for hydration. You need the potassium. And pardon me, the magnesium. Anyway. Okay, just stop it. Uh, <laughs> morning or night? Morning. Always. What time do you get up? 5.30. No matter what? No matter what. Saturday, I go to work Saturday, out. Saturday? No, 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 no. No, no. Then we sleep in until 7.30. Ooh, That's usually ooh. when I wake up naturally. <laughs> nice. Okay. But weekdays, 5.30. Yeah. Every day I go to do my Pilates workout. Nice. Favorite comedy movie? Um, favorite comedy movie? Oh, probably. Um, I, I can't even remember the name of it. When they go to Vegas and it's the Bachelor the Hangover. Hangover. <laughs> <laughs> like laugh harder and harder every time I see it. Yeah, because it's, it's so, so ridiculous. good. It's so so, so good. good. Yeah. And really, in 2020, it's so offside. <laughs> I know. But that's why it's so good. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Big party or small gathering? Small gathering, always. Okay. Phone in the bathroom or no phone in the bathroom? Phone in the bathroom. Go. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thanks for being honest. Yeah. A lot of people are not honest about that. Uh, I think everybody just, takes Everyone it. does. Everyone. They and all they, scroll they they Instagram. Don't. Exactly. <laughs> Freaking liars. <laughs> uh, favorite love song of all time? have one yes you do i do mm -hmm. um like not one is jumping into my head is the greatest thing of all time uh oh geez most people say their wedding song oh but we had a medley okay yeah so that's tough well i that was a whole bunch of songs i don't i don't have an answer for you okay. i'll give you a hundred examples okay yeah um well that skews the test but <laughs> Um, cake, cake or pie? Uh, like I really don't. Oh gosh, I knew you were gonna say this. <laughs> like I, you were gonna drop the. I don't eat either. Listen, <laughs> no, no, I don't eat it, either. But and there's fruit in the one. And I will not go near that. <laughs> but Come I, on. I, I it, it listen. You just want to treat. You want to treat Carrie Doll. You um, just, you just, you're okay, like cheesecake. Okay. Yeah. Okay. See, that wasn't hard. <laughs> Well, I had to think. Like, <laughs> I, if my mom's apple pie was killer, but it was, you know, that's. Uh, I like her apple pie. Okay. I do like a chocolate cake, but it has to be milk chocolate. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay. there's conditions attached. Last question, Carrie Doll. <laughs> Last question. Describe your relentless podcast experience in four words. Filled my bucket. See, I did it in three. <laughs> I can do it in three. I don't need yeah. four to tell the <laughs> That's story. That's how good of a storyteller you are. <laughs> there you go. What uh, about my definition? Okay, we're going to do that after. That's, why? I'll tell you why. Because we actually, now you've ruined the surprise for everybody. We oh, put that, that at surprise? the beginning of the podcast. <gasps> oh, so sorry about we're that. Gonna, yeah. I'm not that good with, uh, Gosh, with surprises. do you like... <laughs> I even wrote it down. You I need a to director. Right. You need a director. <laughs> you go talk to Daryl McIntyre yeah. and you just ask him how many times, or I talked to your wife about how many times I stuck to, are, are stuck to time. When we had chat sessions, she'd go, Dolly, shut, <laughs> shut up. up. Shut, shut up. up. It's weird. She says that about me all the time. <laughs> Kyle, shut up. I'm like, I just said, hello. <laughs> What's your problem? <laughs> Jazzy. <laughs> Shit. Talk to her about that tonight. I guarantee she'll say she, I was always long. She's Nettie. I know I'll she is. Nettie. Yeah, why Nettie again? It's a long story. Okay. It's a long story. I'll tell you later. Um, what's the final final? What's the final? Like, how do we? 
like get and wasn't out there of here? another question I missed because no, I was talking? No, it was describe the relentless podcast. Oh, right. I said yeah. it filled my bucket. It filled your bucket. Yeah. It filled my bucket too. I love you so much. You are an incredible human being. You are a, such an incredible friend. You're an incredible mom, an incredible wife, an incredible community person. Your podcast is awesome. But here's the thing that people may not know about Carrie Dahl. <gasps> and I'm gonna I'm gonna this actually goes back to the hardest part of you being a broadcaster. And it was it was the judgment. It yeah. was what people thought of you, yeah. what they what they saw, what they maybe heard. I have described you so many times as what you see is what mm. you get. That's that's it. And that to me is the definition of authenticity. And so if you don't know Carrie Dahl, you're not very lucky because <laughs> she is a very authentic human being. And what you see, what you hear in Carrie Dahl is truthfully exactly mm. who she is as a person. I respect that. I need that in my mm. life. And this is why you and I, I think, have good banter back and yes. forth. I think that that's why we were able to do all the amazing things we did with our comedy nights together. And I thank you for being that way. Oh. Thanks for sharing your knowledge. And yeah, we'll do this again. My bucket and my soul are so full. That's five words. I can't say that words. yet. It is, it. So that doesn't, but that is the most beautiful compliment you could ever give me because that's all I used to say. There's only one person I know how to be and that's me on the air. And yeah. if you know that, that authenticity means, and that the recognition that you saw that in me means more than anything. Oh, Thank so you. I appreciate. And I love you as a friend. So you are. Folks, uh, where can we find uh, The Inner Circle and where can we find you on social, So Carrie? I am on all platforms with my podcast. It is called The Inner Circle with Carrie Dahl. And uh, if you want to check out my website, it's carriedahl.co.co. And I'm on Instagram, Carrie Dahl Consulting. So come say hi. Come hang out. We'll chat. Absolutely. And folks, if you want to check out You Can Use Services, it is www.youcan. You should say triple W www.youcan.ca that's y-o-u-c-a-n and you can check out us uh check out us uh, uh, uh. i'm so nervous with carrie doll here yeah, I can tell. So you can check <laughs> us out on our social medias and it's at you can edmonton and then for myself really it's just twitter i, I i'm not good at the instagram but it's at kyle Dubay. Yeah, really you are do you I'm have to get not, better at that terrible yeah instagram. i know but uh thank you for listening carrie one more time thank you for being here Appreciate it. Gift was mine. Thanks for having me.